Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, May 17th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Christina Lulich. Let's look at what's happening near you today. We're actually going to start with some breaking news that just came through this morning. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were involved in a car chase while being followed by photographers in New York City last night. That's according to the Associated Press. The car chase lasted over two hours and involved over half a dozen vehicles. This is still a developing story. This morning at the White House, President Biden honored 15 different public safety officers across eight different departments with the Medal of Valor. The Medals of Valor are presented to public safety officers who exhibit exceptional courage, especially when it means sacrificing their own personal safety. Three New York Police Department officers were honored today. NYPD officers Wilbert Mora and Jason Rivera were shot and killed in January 2022 while responding to a 911 call in Harlem. The third NYPD officer receiving a Medal of Valor is super rookie Summit Solon. He shot and killed the gunmen moments after Mora and Rivera were hit. We can never fully thank you for your service or for your sacrifice, but today is an important day for the nation to give thanks for all that you do for everybody, for all of us. In addition to the three New York police officers, Three FDMY firefighters will also receive medals for their courageous acts. Today, New York public school students are calling for food justice. They're marching from Brooklyn Borough Hall to City Hall in Manhattan, alongside representatives from Seeds in the Middle. They're an organization dedicated to addressing health and food inequities. They do this by introducing practices into schools to help children live healthier lifestyles. Once they arrive at City Hall, they'll hand over petitions and letters demanding improved access to healthy food in underserved neighborhoods in New York City. A new sculpture has arrived at Brooklyn Bridge Park. The piece spells out the word LAND in capital letters. It's titled, In Every Language There Is Land. En cada lengua hay una tierra. The letters have been rearranged in a format similar to Robert Indiana's famous Love Sculpture from 1966. Except this new sculpture is a nod to the impact of the U.S.-Mexico border wall. The piece is constructed out of the same steel tubing as the border wall and is exactly the same height at 30 feet. It was created by Nicholas Galanin. He's an indigenous person from the Sitka tribe of Alaska. According to Galanin, the piece represents how indigenous people have continued to persist despite losing their rights, languages, and land. The land sculpture will be on display at Brooklyn Bridge Park until November 12th, so you have the whole summer to visit. If you're a fan of Barbie, there's a new pop-up in Lower Manhattan that you won't want to miss. A brand new Barbie-themed cafe opened today on Fulton Street. It's a summer destination for people of all ages. The Malibu Barbie Cafe makes you feel like you've entered California in the 70s with retro decorations and bright colors. At the cafe, you have a choice of entrees, desserts, and drinks created by MasterChef finalist Chef Becky Brown. The opening is also ahead of the film Barbie, which features Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. 
The movie release and the opening of the cafe happening around the same time is actually a total coincidence. But that being said, it does seem like it'll be a fun summer for Barbie lovers. The Malibu Barbie Cafe will be open until September 15th. Although Willie Nelson concluded his 90th birthday concerts in Los Angeles last month, the celebrations will continue for a little while longer. Fans can catch Long Story Short, Willie Nelson 90, during a limited run in theaters. But mark your calendars as it will only be shown for three days, on June 11th, 13th, and 14th. It will include performances from Neil Young, Snoop Dogg, Miranda Lambert, and many, many more. In more Willie Nelson news, the singer is not slowing down even after turning 90. He'll be releasing a new book about his songwriting. That's right, Christina. It's called Energy Follows Thought, the stories behind my songs, and it will be released on October 31st. And on the topic of music, on this day in 1975, Elton John was awarded a platinum record for his album, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. It was the first album to sell a million copies on its first day of release. For this month's installment of Fordham Conversations, WFUV's David Escobar sits down with Fordham history professor Asaf Siddiqui to discuss his new book that breaks down the history of modern pop music. Something I can tell from the set list, if you will, in this book is the diversity of the music. It's not just pop, but also rock and rap, everything in between. So why was that diversity so important to you? I knew what I didn't want to do, which was just focus on one genre. I, I knew that right off the bat because pop music is so wide and expansive. And I also knew that I didn't want it to be about a bunch of rock bands. That's also, you know, I wanted to take pop music and everything seriously. And the other guiding thing was I wanted it to be everything from the 60s to now, uh, but a lot of it was deliberate. I did want not to have one genre, one type of pe person. I wanted to have a gender, uh, some sort of gender distribution. Those kinds of things were in the back of my head. Yeah, for sure. I feel like nowadays music can seem purely commercial, kind of money grabby, but the music in your book is highly subversive and countercultural. So how do you capture that history? The striking thing for is that the history of pop has a long tradition of engaging in important social issues and even things that are seemingly just kind of frivolous and throwaway three-minute pop songs can often talk about something very important and deep. One of the other things I'm thinking about is this idea of the life cycle of a song that you touch on in the book and what songs can tell us about their time periods. So what are some of those moments you talk about in the book? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we were trying to do. We were trying to get at, through each song, get into that moment of time in history. So if it was, for example, Bowie's Rebel, Rebel in 74, and the author, Glenn Hendler, who is a professor at English at Fordham, you know, he sort of really tries to tap into what's going on in radio in America at that time. Um, and all the all the songs, to some degree or other, do that. I think uh, MIA. I think the essay really tries to get at something in the post 9/11 world. You could talk to me about MIA all day. Paper planes is so good. But 
On the other side, could you dive a little deeper into the song's sort of cultural commentary? Um, I just started to sort of deconstruct it a little bit. You know, it samples. It has some cool samples from The Clash. It has a kind of this sort of awesome comment on, you know, the cash register, ka-ching, that's, that sound, and the, the guns firing off. I thought that was really cool, that sort of balance between capitalism and sort of violence. But more to the point, I was also interested in her story. She's a British citizen of Sri Lankan origin. And what it meant for maybe a brown person to suddenly get super famous in the world of pop, Western pop. And I, I just wanted to sort of deconstruct that a little bit. There's also a gender story that I wanted to tell because she had put together this song, but the questions to her were always about, well, who's who's the engineer behind it? Who's the guy behind it? And, she, and naturally she was very defensive. You know, she was, she's the one who made the song. So I wanted to track a little bit how our expectations of technology and recording studios are very gendered. We just expect there's some brilliant engineer guy doing all the stuff. And that song was a wonderful way to talk about those issues of how even in this sort of supposedly progressive world of pop, we still go back to these old patriarchal notions of, you know, men get to do the engineering and women just sing. And she's very much in charge of her whole complete image and everything. And I wanted to get at that. The thing I'm most captivated about in this new world of music is this whole process of consuming music and how that's changed since the 60s with streaming services and TikTok. But in the broadest sense, how has technology changed the music industry overall? Yeah, I mean, this is a profoundly important question, I think. And technology has just really fundamentally shifted the way we consume music um, probably in the last 10, 15 years, for, for the most part in the 20th century, let's say beginning the 1930s and 40s, we would have to buy records. Streaming really disrupted that that trade sort of uh, of consumption. Well, for the most part, almost everything that's ever been made is at your fingertips right now in an instant. And that, I think, brings to it the issue of maybe 20, 30 years ago, there was this notion, there was this relative scarcity. So you had to go and go to a record store and get something. And maybe it wasn't there at the record store. You would have to come home without the song. But now you have the song at your fingertips all the time. And I think that changes our relationship to music because we, if everything is available all the time, I think there's something that we, we don't necessarily understand the value of it because it's just there. Uh, whereas I think if you had to maybe work a little bit to, access it you might feel differently about the song itself and i think that's just one of the changes there's many more i think the whole issue of tiktok i think is really interesting to me because because of the length of the clips they're not even quite three minutes and so you don't even bother with the whole song anymore you just want the little the best part of it is in tiktok and then you just move on that was fordham conversations host david escobar speaking with fordham professor Asof Siddiqui, about his new book, One Track Mind. And that's our show for today. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm Maya Sargent. Check back with us tomorrow around three o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.